Football is back and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. In the words of Barry Davis, look at his face. Just look at his face. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in Ringer SC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks Musa. How are you? I'm good. I just want to issue an apology um, to Stadio listeners because several oh, of you have done. devoted thousands of minutes. Oh my God. The Spotify Raptors come out. Like, I'm, I'm only half joking. Like, First of all, thank you everyone for listening. And we've been sent some reader stats, people listening, and listener stats, and I just honestly like... People have been listening like, you know, people, not sound, I'm not sort of self-aggrandizing. Actually, I'm just really, um, yeah, thanks for making time. I was joking in a way, like, you know, how could you do this to yourselves? No, thank you for making the time uh, for listening. It's like really, really lovely, especially because we know this has been a difficult um, couple of years, particularly for a couple of years for a lot of people. So mm. the fact you've chosen to spend so much of that time listening to us is really like, it's a, it's a huge um, compliment. And it, yeah, makes, massive. it makes me personally very proud, actually, to have been able to provide a measure of escapism, especially in this, you know, this period. So yeah, thank you, I guess. Thanks, everyone. I would absolutely echo that and second it. Thanks, everyone. We started getting tagged in the Spotify rap stuff on Wednesday. I don't know. I got a little bit emotional. Yeah, yeah. It was because it's kind of like, oh, man, this is, this is so lovely. Um, so yeah, thanks a lot to everyone who's been posting about it and said yeah, some yeah. lovely things. Start saying some thanks. I've, I've had, I just got in late last night, so I'm going to be um, replying uh, throughout the day. Um, yeah, sorry, we'll try and get back to the stuff yeah, on Twitter, yeah, yeah. but don't, if we haven't, but please don't, we've seen it, we've seen it and we're super, super appreciative and um, yeah, seeing the, the amount of hours that people have listened. I don't know, you know, <laughs> that was if anything, big, that was I, a, I was going to go a big, uh, a bit Andy Townsend and just be like, 
if anything, I think you're all listening a bit too closely. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, is it that too well? Yeah. That's a great one. Someone got sent a video going, this podcast was rent free in your head. <laughs> yeah, shouts to Spencer Lecky who said Spotify decided to play one beer by Doom while telling me that I spent 6,000 plus minutes <laughs> listening to the Riga podcast feed. Someone at Spotify knows. <laughs> too kind. Everyone's way too kind. Um, so yeah, let's do some admin super quick. First of all, we hope everyone stays safe and well. Getting vaccinated if you can, getting that booster if you can. Absolutely. The Stadio number eight sweatshirts are off sale. We haven't got the final, final figure that will be donated to the Trust of Trust yet. But first look is kind of overwhelming. So we want to say a huge thank you to everyone who was able to buy one. And if you weren't, please don't worry. We understand that they weren't super cheap. You you all raised a a lot of money for the Trust of Trust, which is going to be super important for this time of year. Yeah, that can I just say as well on that um, very quickly. I just can't think of anything more cool because I love the sweat. I'm biased, but I love the sweater designs. I love the idea people are going to be going around with like number eights in their back. Uh, <laughs> not because it's any kind of movement at all, but yeah, but I just, it just feels like the best of everything. People walking around with sweaters they really like and a cause that is just so important this particular time. It just couldn't be happier. So thank you everyone. Hundreds of people out there with Stadio branded number eight sweatshirts. It's like Cloverfield. It's like <laughs> it's the League all, of you're all like the little you're all like the little like things in the in the subway tunnels. And Musa is just this giant number eight truther bombarding <laughs> its way through Manhattan. <laughs> people trying to take him down. We gotta we gotta we gotta get this guy. We gotta get this guy. And he's just like number eight. H E plus. Eight and on. Eight and on. Eight and on. <laughs> Right, his house went up on Wednesday. It was a great episode with Flo and Jeanette. Uh, we've got some cool stuff lined up for Right's house as well. Um, Eight and on. Week. So ridiculous. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> it is. Well, you know, so listen. Ridiculous. So ridiculous. You're going to spend that amount of minutes, thousands of minutes listening to this nonsense. Listen, by now you should know what this was. You've been accepted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stadio newsletter went out on Wednesday. Thanks to everyone who signed up. If you want to sign up, get a weekly newsletter from us. Go to stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in. You should get an email confirming your sign up. So check your junk mail. And yeah, every Wednesday, if you haven't got the email by lunchtime, UK time, check your junk mail as well. But um, we don't pass it on to anyone. It's just for us to to contact you about Stadio stuff. Uh, Stadio Actress playlist on Spotify. Don't forget to check all the music we play out on each episode. And if you do listen to us on the podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. It'd be very kind. Oh, one thing. Yep. Right's House was nominated for Sports Podcast of the Year for Pop Bible. That's awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you want to go and vote for that, that'd be lovely. Uh, Stadio didn't get a nomination, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> very much the Mo Salah of this Pod, pod Bible. <laughs> but we'll take a Right's House win. So please go and vote for Right's House in the Pod Bible Awards. And Musa has probably been nominated for more books of the year since this. I actually included one in the newsletter because he couldn't stop me. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't control and I knew it. that he'd hate it. I knew that he'd hate me mentioning that. So I was just like, definitely going to mention it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I would not have approved of that inclusion. So, but, uh, yeah. Very proud, man. Very proud. You've done, you done, you done some good stuff this year. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, other, I think that's all the admin. I think that's everything. 
Yeah, we're good. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably be trying to write something for ringer.com forward slash soccer soon enough, but yeah, so watch that space. Yeah, Stadio's coming up as well, the end of year awards. The Stadio's, yes. You're the least prestigious major awards. They're basically the awards that no one wants. No one wants, No yeah. one wants to win. No one wants to even hear about them. No one's acknowledged them. No recipient yeah. has ever acknowledged. There's never been grateful or ungrateful for the Rivers at Stadio. We've never just heard, we've never, they've just been aired completely, but we'll keep on do you know giving what I'm, do, you know, do you know what I kind of wait for eventually? And it will happen because by golly, it's going to happen. I'm going to make sure it happens. Actually, by golly. <laughs> I want a player to change their Twitter bio to Stadio Player of the Year, like 2021. Oh my God. You know, I'd love, I'd love it if a team chased it to Catfish of the Year. A club club gave a video, sent us a video, like, we're so grateful. (laughs) We're so grateful for this Catfish of the Year award. Yeah. I'm not sure if we're going to do the Catfish of the Year again this year, because we didn't last year. We didn't, uh, well, no, Catfish of the Year last year was 2020. We didn't. We, could, yeah. we couldn't. We, we couldn't bring right, ourselves right, to award it to an right. individual team this year. We we have to do the catfish of the year every year. There's always. Do you know why? Do you know why? Simply because there, as it was right as in would say, simply because there is always a catfish somewhere out there. Even now, even now, in the in the dying in the dying days of December, somewhere oh. in football, a catfish is preparing its candidacy. I'm thinking <laughs> of the nom- I'm thinking of the potential nominees, and let's we know just say, you, yeah. They're a school of cats. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get on to the today's show. There was a load of football midweek. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of whiz around some key points and then we're going to use the questions that you all kindly sent in to us to guide us through talking about them a little bit deeper. Let's get into after this. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. All right, man. Should we go Premier League first? Because there was a Merseyside derby on Wednesday night and. Liverpool will beat Everton 4-1 to, mm. I think, that means now that Liverpool have won more Merseyside derbies at Goodison than Everton have. Some lovely goals in this game. Wasn't so, now, Liverpool have scored over three, an average of over three goals a game in the Premier League this season, mm. which is wild. I quite like this Liverpool. The Liverpool that won the league a couple of years ago, they were great. Don't get me wrong, but compared to this Liverpool, there's a there's like a little. Can I be honest? Do you know what it's you? like? Do you know what it is? Do I know what it is. I, I thought I thought of it. I thought of it. I know. Gonna, I've got. I've got. A, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. I've been watching Get Back the Beatles. I'm told. I think I mentioned this on the podcast. It's basically them being like, "No, I dig to play on stage." You know, right? None oh, of the overdubs. None of the control. We've got to do it once in a take, and we've got to do it live. And there's an element of chaos that that brings. No overdubs. Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you this know? is Liverpool without overdubs because they've reached the point now in their, in their, yes, that they are so elite that they can sit down and write 
get back in five minutes or the basis of get back in five minutes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Love it. I love it. I love it. But there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of chaos in there. Yes. But it's there. Not as controlled. The twinkling eyes. You know, this is, this is Liverpool, Liverpool. Actually, how do I, for me, Liverpool. I just just compare Liverpool to the Beatles who are from Liverpool. Oh my God. Oh my God, the levels. I think I've just completed Liverpool. That's, no, this is, no, no, that's, that's Ryan Bingo. That's what that is. If you throw in a Brookside reference and we're home (laughs) and home. (laughs) For me, they're like, um. A city with closing with early closing hours compared to one which go twenty four hour now, like they were mm-hmm. they were London before, but now they're Berlin. Like they, this Liverpool team doesn't shut up shop like the other one. Like the the Liverpool team, there was very much a sense of okay, we got away with an evening this game, and they were just like shut the thing down. Actually, more like a Man City type vibe, weirdly mm-hmm. enough, where City will just like go two 0 up with forty minutes to go and just never lose the ball again. This Liverpool are almost. I'll probably never admit it, but they're making a point. They're putting the game on notice again because, you know, the psychological effects of some of those, you know, we know it was the pandemic, but stuff like losing 7-2 to Villa, we can move on from that because we're just the casual observers who look at the game and the pandemic and go, look, actually, like, that was a result that emerged from a very particular set of circumstances. But that's not the case at Liverpool. They're, they'll never admit it, but I think, there's some, I think there's some grudges in that in that dressing room. In a good way, in a good way, like sporting motivation. And I think that the demonstration of Liverpool, what's so interesting is, and obviously like shout out to Harvey Elliott, had the terrible injury, the mm. way that he is integrating new players into this lineup, Klopp, the way that we're being, he's rolling out the new phase of Liverpool, the evolved phase, to the point where, what's that thing about, they say, if you have a broom and you replace the handle and the head, like, is it the same broom anymore? Klopp's replacing essential parts of this team phase by phase until like three, four years. And I'd be like, oh, like none of the original characters are playing as often as they were, but we've got a complete new team as brilliant, similar system, but just enhanced. It's really it's like the sugar babes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All but of a sudden, sc- none of the original members are there. <laughs> but the scary, yeah, the sugar babes, the scary thing, the scary thing is <laughs> scary. no one noticed. A- apart from the one sugar babe who seemed to like defeat everyone else. Who <laughs> just was always there. The scary thing about this Liverpool team is that the brilliant young players coming through are even younger than before. Like mm. their peak, if you think about it, like they're peaking Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Firmino, all brilliant players of absolutely, but they were way more established before they started peaking. If you look at like the kind of the Curtis Jones players, like, and the other guys. Diogo, are, I'd put Diogo Jota in there as well. Yeah, of course. They're, they're, they're peaking younger. They're, they'll sustain that peak because of the way they're rotated so well. I'm, I'm just really mm. excited. I mean, I'm obviously terrified that he's a United fan, but I'm very excited as a Lib- if I was a Liverpool fan by this. In terms of this mm. game specifically, um, you mentioned um, the goals. Mo Salah, it's a funny one. Like, it's almost... Oh my um, God. Ryan, it's, it's easy at this point, isn't it? His first it's, goal was unbelievable. But, you know, when you see the finish, when he, Ian talks about this, about like, there's a goal that Ian scores uh, actually against Liverpool Anfield where he's frustrated because he allows the keeper to get a hand mm. to it when he's through. He's like, he shouldn't have even touched that. That should have been a cleaner finish. He's still annoyed about it now, which is quite funny. He's used to be annoyed by it. The most Salah finish of the first goal, Ian might have looked at and been like, that's like a, that's a good foot clear of, of Pickford's hand. And Pickford, excellent shot stopper, great on the angles, and he's nowhere close. But also Salah's second goal, the amount of work yeah. he had to do. To be honest, actually, we'll talk about goals, but there were some astonishing goals. Some this great goals mid- this week. Can I, Do you know what? I mean, I've, I'm, we, we haven't even talked about the fact that it's Stadio Derby Day, right? So we're recording this ahead of Manchester United Arsenal. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, I'm a little bit annoyed that that's going to 
that's just hovering there to kill my buzz because this week has been such a great experience watching the Premier League games as a neutral. Like, for example, I could easily watch an extra half hour of Newcastle, Norwich and Leeds Palace. I could have easily watched an extra half hour of both of those games. Watched the Newcastle, Norwich game, switched it over, watched the rest of Leeds Palace and they were so enjoyable. Like, honestly, I don't think I've enjoyed, well, of course I've enjoyed games this season, but I think as a neutral watch, like, Newcastle Norwich for me was right up there. Yeah, you were a, raving about as, it. Yeah, as, yeah. As, a, as, a, as like an entertaining game to watch. I think because both sides, obviously, down the bottom of the table, the meaning of it both, you know, swung quite heavily. There was a red card, you know. It was just, it, I mean, obviously for fans of, acknowledging for, that for fans of either of those sides, it would have been an absolutely gruesome watch. Mm. As a neutral, it was, I really, really enjoyed them. I really enjoyed a lot of the football this week. Maybe Wolves-Burnley, not so much. I think Gary Lineker said on match the day, he was just like, I had this down as a scoreless game. And I was just like, did you, Gary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly harsh on Burnley, I think, just because Burnley have been showing up pretty well. I mean, they're still in the bottom three, right? Yeah, I really enjoyed Sean Dice just showing how ridiculous the the talk about him walking outside in a in a shirt was the other day. He was just like, I was literally outside for 14 seconds. And actually, fair play to him. He didn't lean into the whole hard man thing. He could have easily, yeah. He really could have because that could that is quite that is Dice's energy a little bit, being a like, little bit. But actually, to, to his oh, credit, you know, it's been colder. It's been colder. It's been colder. To, to his credit, he doesn't lean into it as much as people consistently hope he would. Let's return to the Merseyside derby, and because um, we had a question about. Well, before we move on to a question, there was a lovely touch from Trent Alexander Arnold who um, had. Uh, rest in peace of Ava White on his shirt for those who don't know is a 12 year old girl who got stabbed in Liverpool last week and died I'm so so sad there's a really special um, group of players actually we said this before about England but um, putting the neck out like he's someone in particular um, he did a piece there's a piece in the Observer and I don't think he'd really spoken publicly about race before and he just sort of came out and gave a quote for it and he it was just the desire a willingness to really put himself out there in a way you yeah. know like wouldn't necessarily have to, you know, some say it's the responsibility for players to speak up, but many don't. And he took that on himself. And I really rate that. And, you know, he's still young as well. And this is someone he's who's, young. this is someone who is he's so young. He's already experienced a, a backlash. He's already experienced a professional backlash. Yeah. He's already experienced professional backlash. He was that good, that young. Mm. There's already, he's already had an entire season of people going, yeah, is he really all that? And of course he is all that. Well, that whole Liverpool side, well, you touched on it before, has, I mean, they got, they got torched last year. There were way more people who should have known better who were like questioning whether Klopp was... They did know better. They was wishful thinking. When, when people talk like that, when there's that much of a chorus, I always think to myself, what's really happening? You're like, what's signal? What's noise? And I'm like, people are hoping they pull a faltering because the mm. alternative is too terrifying. The alternative mm. is too terrifying. They're like, actually, this club knows what it's doing. Um, Klopp rotates as well as anyone brings players in and out just the right time, obviously, um, and improves players. It's the thing. It, it's, it's a guaranteed, like Klopp is one of the few managers where they don't make any big signings and it's like, well, they don't need to because he's obviously got people in that squad who he'll make 20% better and he does it mm. every single year. Mm. Just what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Everton. We had a question from Ravinda Clare. Shout out to Ravinda Clare. said, mm. um, does Rafa need more time or is he just a poor fit at Everton? I think Everton are in a curious position because yeah. they have tried a lot of different managers over the last few years. And while there have been moments of 
potential progress and some excitement. Obviously, the Ancelotti thing, even though he didn't exactly take them to the promised land or anything like that, but I think just having someone like him there was such a coup for them. That was a horrible loss. Not just in terms of what's happening on the pitch, but in terms of restoring, you know, Ancelotti under him, Everton, you know, that tradition of like beautiful football, Harry Catterick, all of that from the 70s, that, that looked like a thing that was being revived in terms of the style. And if you've got the identity back, the results can come. And if you saw, you, the way you saw players like Calvert-Lewin just blossoming under Ancelotti mm. and the star quality of Ancelotti to attract players like James Rodriguez, mm. it gave, you know, it gave, it was, it was glamour and like Everton kind of, it's a, it's a huge club and it's also a, to some extent, it's a glamorous club. It is. It's like, it's a kind of, not in a kind of flashy way, but in terms of the style of football, there is a glamour there. An, maybe not glamour, there's an elegance. There's a certain elegance. And it's not it's even judging. Heritage, man. It's yes, like heritage. It's a historic and, club, yeah. And this is, you know, this is not to judge um, Rafa Benitez. It's more like, I don't think his job has been made any easier by the kind of, the ripple effect, the shock factor of like, you know, they, they thought they were going to get Ancelotti for like, he was going to bed down for a while. I'm not saying it's an excuse that things aren't going as well as they could be at Everton. But I really think that that, I think people would have felt a bit let down by the speed with which it all collapsed there. And I get it, like Real Madrid are Real Madrid. But there was also a sense, you know, the, the assurances he seemed to give were that he'd be around at Everton kind of come what may, if that makes sense, at least the next couple of years. Mm. It reminds me a little bit of actually when Rafa left Newcastle. Oh, that's interesting. He, they weren't bigger than the club, but for the club to have them as their manager was quite a big deal. Yeah, yeah. I think with Rafa, Rafa's a very smart guy. Mm. And, you know, he's remained in the area a lot. And who are we to, to kind of say who should take what job and who shouldn't? But I think he knew he'd be on the back foot from the jump. Yeah. Because of the Liverpool history. You and you're already up against that. Like, it's hard enough managing the Premier League as it is. It's hard enough. Yeah. And starting, you know, so abruptly on the back foot is, yeah, you're right. I mean, again, like who are we to question at the same, and also I do believe, I do also believe it is too early to make a judgment on, on bad fit. I think it's a bit early. And I think, you know, 14 games, you've got to like let it play out. It's, it's not looking the most promising at the same time. Let's, let's see how it, how it goes. I mean, I, I do think they're too good to go down. I think the bottom three will be three of that current bottom four. Mm. Even though Watford, I think have been quietly impressive. You know, they obviously beat Everton, they beat Manchester United, they scored a good good few goals in both and then I think they were very unlucky against Chelsea. I'd be feeling good if I was Watford. Can I also say as well, just to push my Emmanuel Dennis agenda. Oh, his goal. His so finish good. was so good. He nutmegged Rudiger. No, they would unsight Mendy. I mean, this is, Rudiger is an elite, mm. an elite defender. That is, that is, I saw that and I'm like, because you know, Dennis, this is the thing, I, I was just watching some of his stuff in the Champions League with Brugge and I was excited. Obviously, like I didn't watch him week in, week out, but when I, whenever I had a chance to watch Brugger play, I would pay attention to him because it kind of demanded attention. But that is a spectacular football. He put Rudiger on skates. He really did. He really did. Yeah. But just, yeah. just, you know, but Ranieri being there, Ranieri and Watford, I like that. You talk about a good fit. Yeah, man. Very, very quickly, West Ham drew with Brighton. Although, check this. Did you see the XG breakdown of this game? Oh my God, is the XG gods. West Ham 1.11. Brighton, 1.12. No surprise at all. The so XG. they technically won the XG war again. They missed, the XG some, battle. they missed some good chances, Brighton. Uh, I, they were on the ropes a little bit, though. They weren't great. Neil Mopai got a really lovely equaliser right towards the end. 
West Ham in a little bit of a tricky run of form now. It's two defeats and a draw in their last three games. And they've got Chelsea at the weekend. Can I just say this? Brighton are seventh in the Premier League. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Like, like it has to keep being said, like Brighton are seventh in the Premier League. Like, yeah, and they've had a tricky run of form as well. They've lost one and drawn Potter got two booed. of their last Potter three. Got, Graham Potter got booed. He got, he got, <laughs> Brighton has said, come on, let's, 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 let's all just let's, calm down a little bit. Come on, yeah, let's, 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 let's I know there's on, variants uh, knocking around and things are looking grim, but come on, let's yeah, calm, let's, yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's kind of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> not the Potter variant. <laughs> Uh, we're just going to give a shout out for Bernardo Silva's absolutely amazing volley. Can I? Yes, but can I? That's my goal of the of the week. For also so good, man. the the build up, mm. the build up. Cancelo and Mares, what they do on the edge of the box. You know, I had to watch it. It's one of those ones I had to watch it three or four times to understand what was actually happening. They played one twos going back towards their own box, and then just when the gap was closed, Mares springs the trap on the counter. It's absolutely. It's it's. Unreal. So it's un- all of it. Like even if it was just the cross and the volley, but the entire sequence. How are you going to feel as a Villa player? Like we're one nil down, we're pressing them, we're on them. Oh, it just so turns out that one slightly mistimed attack has resulted in a spectacular goal at the other end, and mm. we had no say in it because the moment Mares plays it out, there's not the moment he plays the ball out and they draw them in, they suck them in, and Pep must have been loving that. The moment they draw them out with that, Ryan, there's not a Villa player within five, ten yards of anything mm. like that. It's like those assassins in those movies. It's like, you're already dead. Yeah. Like before you're dead, like, you know, that everyone is in the room and everyone's off balance and the assassins looking at you going, right, all three of you, it's over. That's my goal of the week for sure. Let's just shout out some uh, results very, very quickly before we then go into the question. So Real Madrid beat Athletic in, at the Bernabeu. Is there anything less surprising than Benzema winner just before half time? Yeah, is there anything they less surprising? They were so lucky, man. Yeah, yeah. They were, athletics, fin- the finishing was very poor. Yeah, there was a stat that I saw. I think that Athletic is something like top four for XG in La Liga, but 15th for goals scored or something. Something like that. There's a big, big difference between... They're, it's very prime, kind of like Brighton in a way. Do you know, actually, it's so funny. The finishing was so streaky. I went in and I was thinking, is Iñaki Williams quite a streaky finisher? And I went and looked and I was like, he is a, he is quite a streaky finisher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those yeah. ones where... And also Ike Munayin as well. Like when they're on, these are players who when they're on, they're on. Mm. But when they're off, they're just, it's, they're, they're, they were out of sync the other night. And the problem is they were all out of sync at once. Yeah, it was a shame for Athletic. Um, they really should have come away with more there. But then again, that's the thing. Unfortunately, the style they play, you pick your poison. It's very difficult to be that hard running and that efficient and mm. cold-blooded because you're always on the go. Like it's very difficult to shift from, I mean, very few forwards can do it. I mean, Griezmann can do it. There's like a, there's a list of like three or four forwards can play at that level of defensive intensity, press intensity, and also finish in a completely cold-blooded mm. way. It's a very shifting or kind of like tempo. It's is, is quite a rare quality. So yeah. yeah. Uh, and so you're uh, Milan beat Genoa 3-0. Zlatan's free kick in this game was absolutely amazing. Dude's 40. My God, yeah. It's outstanding. It's outstanding. And like, Keeper had no say in it. No say in it at all. He really set the tone in that match, actually. And what I think I like about Milan is their blend of like, youth and experience. So Zlatan scored a gorgeous goal and Messias is having a bit of a moment, actually. First start, got two goals. And the header, his first goal, the improv finishing of like taking the header early. I just love finishes so like that. It's just such a clever piece of thinking. Yeah, yeah. Really nice win for Milan. Mm. 
to close the gap on Napoli at the top, who drew two all with Sass. Worth remembering, though, that Sassuolo this season have only been beaten... Uh, no, they've never been beaten by more than a single goal. They lost 2-1 at Roma. They lost 2-1 at Atalanta. They lost 2-1 at home to Inter. They beat Juve 2-1 away. You know, and they beat Milan 3-1 at the weekend. This is a bad result for Napoli in the sense that they dropped a 2-0 lead, yes. But it's a bad result on the night. But a point at Sassuolo is also, it's a good result. Mm. Do you know what Sassuolo remind me of? Like, you know when like a snake is just kind of like slithering around and then like a fucking eagle or something will come down and grab it. Right? <laughs> yes. This should be done. But then all of a sudden the snake is just like biting the eagle in mid-flight and then the yes, eagle yes. just drops it. You can't put it away. But then also the, sn- the eagle has to think, like, why did I, how did I ever think this was going, well, I knew what this was. How did I ever think like, this was going to work? Yeah, what the hell, man? I should have got it by the head. Going airborne, going airborne with a snake. It's, yeah, that's easy. I saw an amazing video the other day of like a, an eagle with, or a falcon or something like that, with a shark flying around at a shark. It grabbed a little shark out of the water and was just flying around with this shark in its claws. Can I be honest with you? No, no, no. I think they did it for the gram because I think, I think they know. Yeah, do you know what it should have been on? That should have been on Influencers in the Wild. <laughs> They're like, everyone else has got a viral nature video. What combo haven't I tried yet? Oh man, Falcon Shark. We done that? Nah, no one's done that. Oh, come on, that's no, ridiculous. Gonna get this shark out of here. Listen, yeah. you know, it's funny. When you zoom out from that, rewatch that video, Ryan, rewatch it. And as it, the campaign's like, you see them both smirking to themselves going, yeah. We it's actually it. like another falcon. <laughs> yes. like, like it's actually another falcon flying parallel with an iPhone. <laughs> Go, Just we can't. We can't. <laughs> shark balloons. Shark yeah, balloons. Tr- trying to line up there. Oh no. Oh, oh no. no. Oh no. <laughs> um, Roma lost to Bologna. Let's get this back on track. And uh, that, oh. they made they made hard. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah, they really that's, did. That's a bad defeat. It's a bad uh, defeat. Inter beat Spezia 2-0 at home. So Serie A is interesting. Napoli are a point top of me, a point ahead of Milan and Inter are now just two points behind at, uh, Napoli. Atalanta opened a bit of a gap on Roma. So that top four is starting to form rather nicely. Liga, shouts for Nice. They got a point at PSG. Uh, Lille beat Rennes 2-1 and Marseille beat Nantes 1-0. Before we go and do the rest with the questions, can I just shout out the Liga MX game between Tigres and Leon? Did you see this by any chance? No, I sadly did not. I did not. Leon will 1-0 up. And then in the 67th minute, on come Carlos Gonzalez and Florian Tovan. Oh, wow. Tovan, my guy. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, man. Tovan, went, Tovan and Geniac, like yeah. tearing it up for Tigres. I love watching Tovan. 89th minute, Tovan equalizes. The lovely goal, actually, assisted by Carlos Gonzalez. 94th minute, Carlos Gonzalez gets the winner. God, the chaos. The chaos. There were eight minutes of stoppage time at the end of this game. <laughs> Unbelievable. Can I say this? I always have a soft spot for League MX because I was actually awake um, for the Cruz Azul win when they hadn't won for like mm. 20 minutes. I actually caught that live, which felt like a bit of an honour considering what that club has been through. And again, I was only awake because of like my ridiculous, my weird sleeping patterns where I kind of just wake up at 4am and then go to sleep again. <laughs> yeah, I managed to catch and that was a real joy. So yeah, that's um, a league to pay more attention to. Anything else you want to shout out? Oh, actually, yeah. Diego Jota's goal. That was beautiful. Talking beautiful goals, let's not forget that. There was a lot of like, just because someone's going to be like, oh, I didn't mention that beautiful goal. I was like, don't worry, no, we saw that too. Pookies as well, man. He's, 
So who was it? Grace um, Robertson tweeted about how he's someone. He's quite a sort of streaky player, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, you just yeah. assume he scores all the time, and he actually hasn't yeah, scored yeah. in like fifteen games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone I can't remember who who tweeted it, but someone said that that corner of the St James's Park net has taken an absolute battering over the last few. Weeks. <laughs> <laughs> was it like? Was, uh, it, was it like there was at some point it felt like there was always a camera or a towel that was being hit? There was like, there's some corners of the net. You're like, why are you putting that there? Like someone's going to score there. Strikers are going to see that. Oh, I'll aim for that. That looks, oh, that looks lovely. <laughs> was like back in the days where people used to s- smash it in the stanchion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, good old stanchion. Right, let's take a break and then we'll do some questions. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Look who's in our mentions, the king of mischief. Oh no, Kunlia Jao. Kunlia Jao. Oh no. God. <laughs> Which Premier League manager do you think has the coolest Spotify wrapped? <laughs> that is such a... <laughs> oh, make my brain hurt with these questions. It's a great question. Who listens to the broadest range of genres? And not just, you know, people, oh, I listen. people that say I listen to anything often, often mean like just put on a any kind of easy listening and I'll just go through it. But there are some people that kind of will really get into various. Do you know who I think it is? Genuinely. Who? My two shouts are Thomas Frank. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh God, of course. And Bruno Lager. Do you know what? Yeah. Graham Potter is inclusive, but I don't think he listens like. No, I see. I think, I think Graham Potter is a good guy, but he's a little bit of like, he's got the, Oh, I just I like a bit of everything really. Meat, meat and potatoes. Listeners broadly, I like a little not, bit of not, everything. Yeah, broadly but on depth. But Thomas Frank, I think you can imagine him getting like rare. Like I can Thomas, you know Thomas Frank's got the Salt album. You know the one where they printed the limited edition. Like I reckon he's got a copy of that. Like if if yeah. you went if you went to interview him and gave him a vinyl, he'd be like, do you know what? I'm really grateful because I've just finished a rotation of like the last six vinyls I've been listening to. So I was looking for a new one to put into the rotation. Thank you. Like you can imagine him responding like that. Actually, yeah. He will sit down and, and convince people why side two of low is the greatest piece of David Bowie music. Yeah, that's actually... I, I Whereas can everyone's see, going yeah. on about Ziggy Stardust and he's just like, no, it's side two of low and this is why. <laughs> like Thomas Frank, no, I, I imagine he's like, like a big Philip Glass fan, something like that, do you know what I mean? He's like quite contemporary, modern, minimalist, classical. Maybe, I think he's probably, he probably low-key only buys his music from Boomcat. You know, that's so, so funny, that's so plausible. Can imagine like crate digging in like Portobello or something. Yeah. But then it wouldn't surprise me if Thomas Frank was just like, yeah, I've got all the original like DJ Screw stuff on cassette. <laughs> like how? You know, you know it's funny now. Thomas Frank DJing under an alias in Peckham. 
<laughs> you can see it, can't you? Do you know it's funny with Thomas Frank? I can imagine as well. I can imagine making recommendations to other Premier League managers. I can imagine him like I can imagine like him and Tuchel, like him making recommendations to Tuchel. But Tuchel takes ages to get through a single album. He's like, oh, I'm still listening to it. He's like, what? Oh, I'm still deconstructing the. I'm, I gave it you last season. I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm at track six. I just want to work out how that happened because the transitions were so interesting. The, oh, no, no, no. It's like, yes, Can you imagine? Just, oh my God, that would be <laughs> such a great little like quirk of a Premier League manager. Like, in, you know how like Ferguson used to always have a wine with people after the game, right? Yeah. So Thomas Frank invites you for a glass of wine, but he always gives you a record. <laughs> oh my God, then we should do. We should <laughs> to be honest, that's so, like, that's so like white guy who buys records energy. We should, I love it. Then what we should do. We should give like, four different managers the same album and just listen to how they break it down and what they take from it. And ask them all for an essay. And no, 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 just, just interview about the album. Like, what did you think of it? And just like literally just take, because someone's take on something which is put together with structure is so interesting. Like it's just mm. because people that, you're a manager, right? So it's all patterns. It's so interesting to see what patterns they would see from a piece of music. They're like, what's that? It says quite a lot about a person, I think. In a good way. It's all interesting. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I reckon yeah. Bruno Lager is like a big psych fan. <laughs> it's existential. That's existential listening. Well, it's all existential. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that's my, I love, uh, that's I love my that take for Spotify I love that question. Rap. I love that well, question. Well, it's Kun he's, he's, up to, he's always up to mischief. Yeah. He's, we have a lot of mischievous listeners, but he's probably like, he's definitely the peak. Yeah. I know it's always him. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's co-hunter of the Stadio fan club, isn't it? So yeah. We knew, we knew. He thinks he, we, can, get, he, thinks he yeah. can get away with all sorts. He can. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> uh, shouts to Storm Warnings. Said, less topical, but what's your favourite non-Bundesliga ground in the Berlin area? Asking for a newish Berliner. Oh, welcome to Berlin. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Um, I'd say Poststadion. Poststadion's great. Lovely location as well. Well, it's in Moby and it's just a lovely, uh, it's a lovely like walk up to it. There's that one where I saw, as a 2015, the one in um, Mitter. It's where I saw the 2015 um, Women's Champions League final. And the reason I like it is really close to Eberswalder Strasse. It's so easy to get to the access. You go through a nice oh. park to get to it. Yeah, you're talking about the one in Prenzlauberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friedrich Ludwig Jan Sportpark. Do you know it's lovely? It's really easy to get to. And in the evening, the sun catches that building on the right, the, the, the stand on the right, and it's glorious. It's really lovely. It's such a nice setting. It's a really grand setting. Um, it's got a running track in it. No, but that work, it works with the context of all that. It, it felt really grand. It felt mm. like Gladiator. I think with, with the kind of, the thing about the running track is if you, if you lean fully into it, if you work with it, and I think the aesthetics work really well, it had quite a classical feel to it. And funnily enough, that the atmosphere was such that it kind of worked. And I'm not, I'm not someone that normally, I'm not that bullish on tracks around grounds, but mm. it, it kind of worked. It felt, it felt classic. There's something about those old games when you watch them back, like the seventies games, athletics track, and it's like it's a real sense of theatre uh, or an amphitheatre, I suppose, more accurately. But yeah, I really mm. like that one. It's meant to be. Um, it's meant to be getting renovated at the moment, but that's oh, been wow. postponed. And it was actually really interesting because for those who don't know, like Hertha used to be Hertha's ground, Die Plumper, before they were at the Olympiastadion, used to be up by Gesundbrunnen, so kind of like Prenzlauberg, Wedding way, um, and obviously Hertha want to build a new stadium because the Olympia Stadion is way too big and too cavernous. And they were actually looking at the uh, Jan Sportpark as a possible location. I think it got knocked back because of regulations that have come in now since Diplumper was up at Gesundbrunnen. But yeah, it's the future of the Friedrich Ludwig Jan Sportpark is a little bit up in the air. 
they don't know whether they're going to knock it down, renovate it. They took the floodlights out not too long ago, I think. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's re- it's it's in a really nice. Place. It's right by the uh, Mauer Park. I just like Berlin. yeah. I think I like the setting of it. I like how it's kind of um, just how it sits within the city. I like it when you know. Don't worry. Some I always like. One thing I love about Berlin is that you can discover the city through football. So there's part, there's like, there's grounds you'll go to, I mean, like on a nostalgic basis, um, there's like, you know, grounds where playing for the amateur team, we got some great victories, you know, out way beyond we could normally go to. Like, so down in Mariendorf, for example, at a place called Ulsteinstrasse, like there's a big amateur ground there that you're playing at. And there's the Tebe Berlin ground, um, where Antonio Rudiger kind of started out, you know, so it's always nice going on a, it's almost like going to like amateur grounds in Berlin is like the origin story of a lot of footballers that ended up going to prominence later. Um, mm. But the Friedrich Jahn, I love just because I, I just love that part of the city as well. And it's got great restaurants around it and bars. You can catch a game there when it gets dark, like you've got that whole strip on the tram. So yeah. So, but welcome, welcome, most importantly. And I hope you have an amazing Herzlich time. Hensley Willkommen. Hensley Willkommen. Wow, we're just singing. Yeah, listen. karaoke. Yes. <laughs> you caught me. Yeah, yeah. We've got a couple of questions relating to, well, it's what someone has, Joel Means has called it. El Statico. What are your thoughts and feelings ahead of El Statico? Who do you think has the edge between United and Arsenal at Old Trafford? Another one from John Larkin. If Arsenal win the Stadio Derby, is it too early to start getting hopes of a top four finish for Arsenal this season? And another one from Snaps who said, how wide open is the fourth, is the fourth place spot in the Premier League and do Arsenal have a chance to secure it? So there's a lot of like Arsenal fourth place stuff there I don't oh, I don't want to I don't, I, don't oh, I never like going, I never like Arsenal at Old Trafford even though they've not lost in three at Old Trafford in the league um, Arsenal at Old Trafford I think there's going to be an element of new manager bounce or new regime bounce although he's not yeah he's not there is yeah, he? no, 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 I, yeah but I don't mean I mean this in terms of the energy mm. in terms of the energy and the excitement the desire to impress an incoming manager, the fact that Carrick has got them, you know, they haven't, they haven't lost under, it's only the two games, yes, but that's a very creditable result. Um, I think United will probably just go for it actually at home. There'll be some sense of trying to restore United values or, you know, the attacking verve. So I think it will be, I'm going to hedge my bets. It feels like a draw, but it feels like a draw where Arsenal will be a little more on the ropes than they were expecting to be. And that's what I'll go with that. Um, and in yeah, terms of what it I, means, I, I don't know. I'm never confident. In terms I mean, of, I, yeah. I, yeah. I, put, I put a thing in the, in the, in the right house group, they say, and if Arsenal do win, they go fourth. And, uh, and everyone's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was just like, yeah, no, I know. Yes, it's too early to talk about Arsenal fourth place because mm. the goal difference is minus two. Yeah. The goal difference is minus two, right? Like, so the firepower is not activated yet. We know Arsenal have got goals in them, but the firepower is not activated yet. And of all the clubs with the capability to activate firepower, there's Leicester, they're capable. They've got some capability. You've got Patson Dacker there. He could start turning it on. And as United, but I don't, United have been a bit streaky. I think, and also, also as well, like West Ham have wobbled slightly, but West Ham are really, really good. And I think people are still not fully understanding just how good mm. West Ham are. So yeah, it is too early in my opinion. Um, I need to see more from Arsenal. They need to catch fire first. I need to see them actually, these new players they've brought in that's integrating, it's been really, really good. I'm really encouraged by that. And I, and I love the signings like Tommy Asser and 
and um, Ramsdale in particular, really, really excited by them, really happy with them. But I just need to see, need to see more from them. I agree. Uh, let's go to Italy. One from Pete Bruschini. Shouts to Pete. He said, do you think Venezia will have enough to stay up? It's tricky. They were in an okay position though, I think, considering where people expected them. They've got a five-point cushion on the bottom three. I think they do. Do you know I think they do? Because they're bold. They're yeah. bold. They're bold. Like, and they're basically, they came up and they were like, we played on the front foot in Serie B and we'll carry on doing it in Serie We see it, we see it in, the, in the Bundesliga as well. Mm-hmm. There's no disrespect. It's like almost, you know what? We're expected to go down. Let's put on a show for the fans. And I respect that actually. Venezia are interesting because they can hit you on the counter. They can absorb shock and they're brutal on the counter late in games. So they can absorb. They're very much like, we call it like, like the catch and release team. Catch and release. Mm. They will they will sit and soak you up. And they've done that to good teams this year. I think they have got enough. I'll stick my neck out and say, whether they do or not, I think they have enough. Like each time I would also, them, like, I would also like to see them stay up. Yeah. They have this big kind of like rogue energy about them. You know what they feel like to me? I, I talk about, there are two teams in this league in Serie A that I always, the results I always look out for. Venezia and Empoli. And, and Sassuolo to a certain extent. The reason, but Sassuolo is more obvious. The reason I mentioned Empoli and Venezia is because every time you play them, you've been in a game. Mm. You've really been worked. Like, yeah, Verona as well, I think. Yeah, and they're, 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 they're teams that I would say, yeah, Verona too, absolutely, to a certain extent. Um, they're teams that keep the league honest. They're not going to win, but they're going to take big points off, off teams that would otherwise maybe like have an easier pass the title. So, yeah. Mm. I love this question from Lisa Amelie. What's the most silly diving when the referee touches you like in the Libertadores or like in the Norwegian elite Syrian when your own teammate touches you in the chest? Did you see this by any chance? That's, you know, that's worse because do you know what that reveals to me? The reason this is worse is that reveals underlying beef, tension, all the rest of it. Absolutely incredible, by the way. Um, Viking goalkeeper Patrick Gunnarsson was basically pushed by Bracalo in the chest and he went down holding his face and the ref sent See, when I saw, that was amazing. When I see that, I'm like, what? Because when, when, when you dive and the referees hit you, you're based on autopilot, your diver ever touches you and actually, it's just, that's consistent, right? That's like, I can see that. I can see there's, it's ridiculous and it's consistent. It's like, you know what? I'm going to waste time by any means necessary. And actually at some level, at some supervillain level, there's a part of me that rates that. It's ridiculous, but I rate it. Whereas this, the Viking thing is like, my first question is, what has gone on there? How long were you waiting for that opportunity? <laughs> How long have you been tired of this, of, this, of, this, of this individual who you clearly regard as a clown to take a dive like that? There's some great footage from uh, like the Norwegian equivalent of like Soccer Saturday. And... Yeah, they just, they can't believe it. It's they can't amazing. Believe what they're watching. It's amazing. It's genuinely incredible. Yeah. I'd watch, I'd watch a mini doc on that, on the backstory. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> I'm messy and oh, I love, I, I'm messy uh, and I love drama. Do you know what? That would have been amazing for like all or nothing. Seeing the, the, you know, on the ground footage in the aftermath or something like that. That would have been incredible. Listen, if anyone has any context, if anyone has any surrounding context, if any of our listeners, <laughs> you're very welcome to furnish us the additional context. Uh, there's, a P- there's a question from Peter Brock. Um, hmm, I don't know if we're going to go here, Moose, so I can already feel our mentions. You know, like 
You know, like that bit in Jurassic Park my where eyes. you look at the water and it's just the vibrations. Trembling. I guess that's, do you know what? My eyes are lighting mem- up. That's what our mentions are Listen. like already. We, we're not even put this out yet. <laughs> Listen, let's do it. Inject <laughs> it because they can't find us. Even if they don't like <laughs> it, they, I'll go to ground. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, if they come in our mentions. Ah! Uh, Peter Brock says, where do you think Man United are in the league right now if they'd spent the Ronaldo transfer fee on Camavinga instead? Um, how much further they ahead? I said, okay, look, like you're asking a very young player to come from another league and sit in a tactical system where everything's not clear. I think it's important to remember how tough it is to adjust to a new system and a new league. And I think there would have been a lot of pressure. I think anyone coming into that midfield would struggle. And Ronaldo has contributed vital goals. And I think that has to be acknowledged. Like you, I don't think it's a simple question of swap out Ronaldo. I think if there was any change, it might be maybe a mid, uh, striker who gives the front line slightly more, I suppose, fluidity. But that's a lot of fluidity to make up for the goals that Ronaldo has brought, right? And so... I don't think a midfielder like Camavinga, who's unproven in a league and a new country, still adjusting, would have made that rapid impact. It's asking a lot. Like if you look at midfielders been brought in to make a difference, I mean, what the most dramatic Im- uh, impacts have been like maybe like Edgar Davids and like, you know, way back for Barca, like 15 years ago, and Davids came in and just injected something completely new. That's asking mm. a lot for any midfielder. And that was Davids who was like highly mm. experienced. So I don't think that would have given United the bounce. Mm. And I know that again, that's speculation, but I don't think that bounce happens. And I, I wanted to answer that question because I think it's important to, you know, people forget like how long it takes signings from different leagues to catch fire. It took Pires, what, like six months? Yeah. Like it, t- it, t- it, takes, it takes elite strikers, like elite strikers, midfielders a long time. So yeah, I don't think, um, I don't think Camavinga would have been the catalyst um, to a greater extent than Ronaldo. I mean, the reported fee for him was what, about 30 million euros. And what was the Ronaldo one, 25? Mm. Ronaldo was, was about 25 was it oh sorry it was initial 15 plus uh, 8 million in add-ons so I mean they've initially paid half I'm not so sure man I think if you know Camavinga was a very young player like you said I think if they'd gone after someone a little bit more experienced in central midfield maybe mm. it might be different because I think that you may not have been in the the I don't think United would have been in probably been in this scenario where Ronaldo had to rescue them as much in certain games because I think that mm. with a little bit more of a cohesive this isn't exactly a hot take we've talked about this a million times um, with a more cohesive unit and structure I think that they, they've they got enough to put probably 16 teams in the, 15 teams in the league away mm. but also then I'm not entirely sure that signing a player that would have they really would have needed in midfield would have been worth it under what was going on tactically with Solskjaer so there's a lot of ifs and buts there but yeah, yeah, I'm not sure they would have been doing worse. I don't. I don't think it gives. I don't think it gives you the fuel. I don't think it's just like a, a lights out and away you go signing. I think if it's someone like Bellingham, yeah. I think it's a different thing because I think Bellingham because Bellingham knits Bellingham knits things together. Yeah, and also I think he knows England, so I think it's a bit different. But they they wouldn't have been able to pay Ronaldo money for Bellingham. It would have cost him 100 million more, so they wouldn't have paid it. Yeah. Even though they could have paid it two years ago. But anyway, let's not get into that because we're not, we're not sore about that. <laughs> but also, it wouldn't have been the right move for, for Bellingham at the time. Let's wrap with this. Sam Mitchell, do you guys have any predictions for the Women's FA Cup final on Sunday? You will be there. I will. Oof. My prediction for that final is that I will be at the game. That is my one prediction about the game, that I feel safe. 
I will be at wow. the game. <laughs> Look at that energy. Look at that main character energy. Yeah, I've got Finn and Chelsea are going to win this. Mm. You're not, you're, are, you, are you sitting you know, on the fence this time? Big, have, I, have I made the leap? Yeah, you have. Listen, we've swapped bodies. I need to go for a walk. I need to get out of this apartment. Doing strange things. <laughs> yeah, like we, we've, we've swapped, we've swapped bodies. I've changed sensibility. I'm fence sitting. Oh, all right. Well, I need to go and recover from this then. So should we get out of here? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks everyone who sent questions in. Sorry I didn't get around to answering all of them, but um, yeah, much appreciated. Yeah, let's get out of here. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, getting vaccinated if you can. Uh, don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Um, all the other admin, usual bits and bobs, Stadio Actress playlist on Spotify. We are playing out this episode on Cruising Long Ride by Vincent Floyd. I'm going to go and uh, mentally prepare for the Stadio Derby. Yes, yes. Oh, actually on that, I'll be on uh, the Ars blog. I'll be on the Ars cast on Friday. So any Arsenal fans wanting to listen to that, or non-Arsenal fans, indeed. Yes, yes. Oh, before I, before we go, um, can I say a quick shout out uh, to Dave Roberts, much beloved author and Bromley FC oh, supporter. Yeah. yeah, so passed away a couple of days ago and um, sort of cascaded beautiful tributes. I wasn't familiar with his work, but a lot of people who I follow um, and who share stuff um, were, were huge fans of his. And he was like a real stalwart, a champion of non-league football and particularly of Bromley um, and just an incredible figure and institution at non-league level uh, who was much beloved. So yeah, I'd like to mention that uh, because he'll be dearly missed um, by all who knew him and enjoyed his work. Let's dedicate this one to Dave. Yeah, I like that. Have a lovely weekend, everyone. Much love. We'll be back on Monday. See you then. <laughs>